You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Good morning! It is October the 18th. It's Sunday morning, the day after week 17. Sorry, week 7. God bless Woo. of college football. Man, week 17 would be something, wouldn't it? If we actually get one of those this season, because it looks like we kind of will. Uh, it is. It, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts yesterday. A lot of, lot of crazy stuff going on, but we'll, we'll get to all that. Of course, let me give you the rundown. WinningCuresEverything.com is the website. Go and check it out. All of our picks, previews, podcasts, videos, social media platforms, etc. Um, yeah, you can watch us live three days a week. We are on Periscope, Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. All you got to do is search for Winning Cures Everything at all of those different locations. We're on Twitter. We're on pretty much every social media platform you can find. Go and check it out. We're also doing all of our, not all, but the majority of our college football content over at sportsbookreview.com. You can find it at sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF. Go and subscribe to their YouTube channel. We go live on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. And, uh, and yeah, we have a good time. Chris, how are you this morning? Doing pretty good, man. Everything's uh, everything's good in your world? We didn't have to yep. worry about LSU Florida yesterday. I, I feel like the, the weeks where my team doesn't play, uh, I, can, I can just sit and relax. Is that kind of how you, how you did it yesterday? Um... Uh, a little bit, a little bit. It doesn't help when you, you're still getting all your picks wrong. So, I can understand that. It, it, I went through the same thing last year, right? It, it's just trust what you're doing. Like you're gonna. This is a weird year, anyway. Well, this is a dumb year. Yes, this is a dumb year. Just absolutely insane. Like nothing makes sense. But uh, but there are a few things here and there that will make sense. And of course, we will talk about all of them on the show this morning. So, uh, with that said, let's go ahead and dive into. The first topic, and I guess the biggest topic, Alabama smothered Georgia in the second half. They win going away 41-24. to It was 24-20 to Georgia at the half. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's almost exactly what I said on the SBR show last Tuesday. I thought it would be closer to the, the LSU-Georgia game from the SEC Championship last year 
than a really tight ball game. And the reason I said that is because I, I think that offenses, uh, elite offenses that are efficient and that don't turn the football over, uh, are you're not going to be able to stop them. There's no defense out there nowadays, and I think the NFL has kind of proven this. There's, there's just no defense that can stop an elite offense. And LSU proved it last year. I mean, you saw it with Clemson in the national title game. Um, it, there's just it, unless you have an efficient offense yourself, you're not going to be able to keep up with somebody that can score 40 points on basically what, like five plays. You know, that's that's what my thought process was going into it. Now. If they get JT Daniels back, the rematch in December could look completely different. But Stetson Bennett kind of showed, you know, once he's pressured a little bit, it, he showed why he was a backup quarterback, I think. Uh, did, I, did you end up watching this entire ballgame? Uh, hell no. <laughs> or at least until uh, until it got out of hand. No, I didn't watch hardly any oh, of it. Oh, you watched Florida State, North Carolina, didn't you? I watched Florida State, North Carolina. Uh, this The game went almost exactly uh, as, as I think, the majority of people expected. Like, Georgia, and I, I tweeted this at halftime, if Georgia had just run the football almost every play from halftime on, I think they might would have won the ball game. The only time they stopped themselves was when they threw the football. But, Gary, that's Kirby. That's Kirby. I know. He, it's insane. He doesn't, listen, anybody who thinks he's a good coach needs to honestly evaluate what makes him a good coach? Okay. Is he a good recruiter? Yes. Can he prepare a team? Sure. When the game starts, if you find something that you do really well, the first thing Kirby's going to do is, uh, we got to stop doing that. Uh, I, I know we're doing it really well, but we got to, we got to do something else. And would, that's moronic. In the first half, they, he does it all the time. Yeah. This is not the only situation he's done that in. The game several years ago against LSU in Baton Rouge when they came to town, every time Swift touched the football, they maybe got a yard or two. LSU's defense is really fast, and they were catching him like crazy. Whenever they would give the ball to Holyfield, Holyfield got 9 to 12 yards every touch. And I was just terrified that they were going to keep giving it to Holyfield. And Holyfield, I think, touched the ball seven or eight times. That's it. And every time, he never got less than eight yards. And I just thought, I'm I'm so glad Kirby Smart's on the other side of that field because this guy's an idiot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Georgia rushing, they were they had 30 carries for 145 yards, averaged 4.8 per carry. Uh, Zamir White had 5.7 per carry. Kendall Milton had 7.3 per carry. And, and then, of course, they used James Cook, not so much as a ball carrier. He only had five carries in the game. But they they used him, you know, in the slot. They used him, you know, uh, running motion, all sorts of different stuff. Like, James Cook was a problem uh, because he ended up with, uh, let's see, 101 yards receiving. Only it, One of those was an 82-yard touchdown where they just had him mismatched on an inside linebacker. I mean, it was it was just ridiculous when you when you went back and looked at it. Uh, but it, it it didn't make any sense because they were they were smashing Alabama's defensive line. They were absolutely smashing them, and the only thing that stopped their drives was Stetson Bennett, like the the quarterback trying to throw the football. It just it did not work in the second half. Once Alabama made adjustments and figured out exactly okay, this is how we pressure him. This is how we get him to throw it where we want him to throw it. Uh, he ended 
He ended the day 18 of 40, 269 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. Not great. Not great. And and you're just not going to be able to beat uh, a team like Alabama or LSU last year or Clemson or whoever. Uh, you're not going to be able to beat them with a stat line like that. It's just not no, going to happen. It, 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 it's just never going to. And here's the problem. People, like we always say winning cures everything. That's the name of our show. It's a clever name and it's fine. But at the end of the day, winning doesn't cure everything because winning has hid the flaws that Kirby um, brings to the table. Yes. Okay. The fact that they beat up on everybody that they're supposed to beat up on every game, whenever they get into a game where the team is equally matched, I don't know that Kirby has won one of those games. You might be right about that. I mean, you but really now, might now be here's right. The thing. He doesn't have many games because they're so much more talented than everybody else. And because they beat the hell out of everybody else, it's hard to criticize him. But when you're better than people, you're supposed to beat them. And you can't say, well, he never loses to somebody he's not supposed to. South Carolina last year, he kind of does sometimes, okay? Yeah. And you shouldn't do that, but it happens. I'm not going to kill him for that. What I'm going to kill him for is every time he goes up against equal talent, he he loses all of those games. Yeah. That tells me he's the problem. Yes. I, I Winning I agree. has yeah. hid the flaws of Kirby Smart to his fan base, to his administrative. And if they if they're happy with being the best team in the East every year and 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 losing the SEC title game, knock yourselves out, baby. Or just, or just hoping that somebody else beats Alabama or LSU in, in the really good years. <laughs> And that way well, they can get it all. I mean, there's been times where they've lost to Auburn when Auburn was equal to them. I well, mean, you know, it's just... but but they they did beat Auburn <clears throat> in the SEC championship game in 2017. Yes, so yes, like, they don't. Yeah, yes, but that's the, the thing, but they right? were, but no one would say that Auburn team was better than them. Agreed. Auburn beat not, them forty not, to seventeen. Not on, not on any not on any metric was Auburn better than them. They well, were better at Auburn at the quarterback position, at the running back position, at the at, like, at every level of the game. The fact that they still lost to Auburn and lost badly early in the year, you know, they beat them the second time, but they should have beaten them every time. They're oh, better yeah. than them. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the the first one was on the road at all. We all know the magic that happens at Jordan Hare Stadium. It's all crazy. It is what it is. Uh, but when they get away from there, you know, it, they're just another team. But he's just, but he's just he's just he's always going to win just enough to hide his flaws. But he's never going to win a championship ever, never, ever, 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 ever. Because there's never going to be a year where there's not at least one team in college football that can't stand up to them. He he will need to take on more of a CEO role uh, with that <laughs> offense because I think he this offense still has his his fingerprints all over it. It is. It's what he wants it to be, and if he would step back and just give it to somebody, uh, the way that Saban has done, the way that Ed Orgeron has done, the way that it, it, just a ton of different coaches. Yeah, Dabo. Has done. Yeah. Unless, unless you're uh, Ryan Day, unless you are the offensive guru, unless you are the offensive genius, g- get your damn hands off of it. And Kirby ain't a genius at anything. No, you're, you're 100% right about that. On the other side, Mac Jones, 24 out of 32, 417 yards, Four touchdowns. He had one pick on the first play of the game that was a batted ball that was batted up in the air. And yeah, it was questionable whether or not it was actually picked, but there wasn't enough evidence to see it. He cradled the ball. I think it was actually a pick, but they, I mean, they studied this thing forever. That's when I knew that this game was going to take forever. When the first play of the ball game was like a five minute review, I said, oh God, we're going to be here until midnight. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. But, 
Uh, the question here, like obviously Najee Harris, we've all known how good he is. 31 carries, 152 yards, one touchdown. He had one catch for 10 yards. He's he's NFL ready. He looks like a Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, the two wide receivers look like Heisman Trophy candidates. Mac Jones, at, at this point, can we start talking about him as a potential Heisman threat? No. I mean, you don't think so? No. He put up the same number of yards against Georgia that he put up on Ole Miss last week. Okay. I think he's better than Tua. No, he's not, Gary. I, no, I he's think, not. He's he just got weapons. Y'all just have weapons, man. He's not doing anything. He is dumping. I, I, the plays I watched last night, those 80-yard touchdown passes are dump-offs. Those are not dump-offs. Dude, he threw it like 50 yards down the field. What are we talking about? For here? one of them, and for one of them, it was a dump-off, and Waddle took off for 60 yards. Uh, that was still a 30-yard pass in the air. Like, he had to hit the guy in stride. I I think he is fantastic. I think he's he showed a whole lot last night standing in that pocket against that pass rush. Uh, Georgia was able to get home quite a bit. Uh, but, man, he, he looks really, really good. Najee Harris looked really, really good. The offense overall we'll, looks we'll great. We'll see. We'll um, see. When, when, the, when the guys on Sundays get their hands on him, if, if, if he doesn't get evaluated by those guys, then, then we'll know that it's just the weapons around him. Okay. okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's I mean, people tried to say Joe Joe was a product of all of that because of LSU's weapons last year, and we're, we're seeing now that, no, no, he, he's got the goods. Um, he did have those weapons, which is what took them to the next level of being elite, but I, I don't think Jones is that at all. I think Jones is surrounded by uh, 10 other guys that are all going to play on Sundays. And he absolutely is surrounded by that. But it, the way that he moved in the pocket last night, it, everything about his performance against Georgia was uh, was impressive. Very impressive to me. I, we had not really seen him in a spot like this. Where I, would, I would also like to go on. on record that Georgia's not the best defense in the country, and they're also not the best defense even in the SEC. Who is the best defense in the SEC? That is Arkansas. Well, we get to see him against Arkansas at the end of the season. So... We shall see. But that, shall. but that is the best defense in the in the SEC. Well, we it's the best defense in the SEC, and it's not close. We will we will get to that. Let's uh let's go ahead and move off of this game. Let's talk about the one that you watched last night, and that would be the Florida State Seminoles getting a massive massive win over North Carolina, who was number five in the country. Now I don't know if they were really the fifth best team in the country, but. Uh, frauds. They, they were certainly frauds. 31-28, to 28, Florida State gets the win. They have got a quarterback. Jordan Travis, look, only 8 out of 19 for 191 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. 16 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. The offense just moves better. They just look better with him at quarterback. I don't know what it is. Everybody seems to align better. They all do their job better. Um, now, there were a lot of North Carolina mistakes as well. Like, let's not get it twisted. This is a game in which the offensive coordinator, I know the offensive coordinator for North Carolina has been unbelievable. Phil Longo. This is, a, yeah. this is a situation where you beat that head, that guy in the head with a shovel. <laughs> he lost this football game. Every play they ran the ball, they were getting 12 to 14 yards a run. And I just thought, I don't, I kept looking up and I kept seeing huge runs by North Carolina, and it's seven to nothing, 10 to nothing, 17 to nothing. How is North Carolina not scoring when every time I watch them touch the ball, they break a run for 23 yards? 
Oh, it's because as soon as they get that big run, they throw the ball three times in the punt. Oh, that makes sense. That's, that's, that's exactly what happened. And that's what happened all game. This is a Kirby Smart situation where this guy is an idiot. He cost his team the game. That OC cost his team the game because they tried to put the game on Sam's back when they were destroying Florida State on the line of scrimmage. And every running back that touched the ball was gashing Florida State. Yeah, this, this was not a this was not so much turnovers or or anything like that where we've seen teams just lose games because they turn the no, football over too no, much. No, this was not. They, this was not. They could not throw the football until the very end of the game. Yeah, and Sam Howell's stats ended up looking okay. I mean, he was twenty yes. to thirty six, three hundred seventy four yards, three touchdowns. That's one all pick. the entire fourth quarter and the in, the last four minutes of the third quarter and the entire fourth quarter. Yeah, going into that time, he was garbage. Trash ass garbage. North Carolina's defense had been really, really good against the run as well so far this year. Uh, yeah. it, Sands maybe the uh, the Virginia Tech game, but it, it looks like Virginia Tech's going to be able to run on everybody. Everybody. Uh, but Florida State, uh, Ladamian Webb, twelve carries, one hundred nine yards. That's an average of nine point one per touch. Uh, Jordan Travis, of course, as I mentioned, sixteen carries, one hundred seven yards. Uh, that's six point seven per carry, and he had two touchdowns rushing. Um, I mean, the team averaged overall 6.7 yards per run. That's pretty outstanding. Had 241 yards rushing. North Carolina, who just rang up 399 on the ground against Virginia Tech last week, had 184 yards rushing on 45 carries. That is 4.1 yards per touch. Had one touchdown rushing. That uh, that Florida State defense kind of came to play in this game. Uh, it, I mean, what what has changed with this team? Like, we saw him against Notre Dame last week, and I, I think Norvell is finally getting yes. to them. Well, they're just getting better. They're getting better. So, the beginning of the season, they were the same team they were last year, okay? Yeah. It was week one of a weird-ass pandemic where you don't have a lot of control of your team, all right? You don't really get to work out. You don't get to do a lot of the things that you want to be doing. So, You've got that situation. So we should have expected nothing different from this team to start this season than this team last year, all right? New personnel for coaching, but outside of that, same dudes on the field, and they were making the same sloppy mistakes. Nothing different. And week by week, it has been very progressive. It has been very gradual. It's been very slow. But every week, they are getting better. They are just every week they are improving, whether it is not getting beat so badly by a team that's a lot better than you to when you have a chance to beat somebody, you don't give it up and you play better. They're just better. Mike Norvell is a really, really good head football coach. Yes. We know that. We know this man. We've seen what he's capable of and seen what he can do. And it's not just, oh, he's got the quarterback going. He's got everybody playing better. They're not making the little mistakes that they made. They finally didn't have a game where they had less penalties. Than, they finally had a game where they had less penalties than the other team. Like, they're progressively getting better at every aspect of the game. And I think that's going to continue all season long. I, I think you're right. The this schedule, is not a team you want to play in November. This is a team you absolutely wanted to play in September. The <laughs> schedule tends to lighten up a little bit now. They have played uh, three top 12 football teams. They lost to Georgia Tech with a fluky, weird uh, rainstorm delay. They play Georgia you know, Tech today. They I think, beat the hell out yes, of Georgia Yes, I think Tech. they beat the brakes off I mean, they Georgia beat the hell out. But that tells you the difference in six weeks that this team is. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, it's where it, they it's have a come and where they were. They are sitting at two and three, and here is how the schedule sets up for the rest of the season: at Louisville next week, then a week off. They play Pitt at home. They play at NC State. They host Clemson. They host Virginia, and they play at Duke. There is no. There's no reason in the world that they could not win the rest of these games sans Clemson. Sans Clemson, yes. Yep. I, I agree with that. Now, if they don't win those games, I mean, it's we've the seen end of the games where North Carolina State has put up 40. And if they shake loose, then then they're going to be hard for Florida State to hang. Like, it doesn't mean Florida State's going to dominate everybody, but they're just going to progressively get better every week. That's what they do. Yeah. The only the, – the other part of this is uh, – NC State that we just talked about, who's four and one already on the year. Yeah. Uh, his left leg was placed in an air cast. He was carted off the field uh, after he his ankle twisted. Yeah. You know, super awkward at the end of the uh, mm-hmm. the game against Duke. So it, you know, we'll see how they are with uh, with the other quarterbacks. But Leary has been amazing. But back yes. to back to Florida State. Yes, uh, this this team they are peaking at the right time. The schedule is getting easier. They are looking better. Uh, they found a quarterback. This is uh, this is great. I think for college football, like, I'm glad that Florida State is uh, is back to being at least a competent football team. Yeah, yeah. And North Carolina is who we thought they were. Oh, let's absolutely. be real careful before we just start putting number fives next to people's name. Okay, you got that right. Good gracious. I, I would like the people that are ranking things to just at least take their job a little serious. I know it's weird because you can't give anybody outside of Alabama and Georgia a, a ranking in the SEC, and that's just strange for people. That's okay. That's all right, but it doesn't mean the problem is is they're not ranking a lot of these Sun Belt teams and they're not ranking a lot of these American teams, and they need to be. Yeah, I, I think so. They need it, they they deserve it. Now that doesn't mean that those Sun Belt teams are better than these SEC teams, but it means that they've deserved the rankings. I think so. this is a perfect year to have something like that. You know? Yes. Now you you brought up the AAC. You brought up uh, Mike Norvell. Let's talk about Norvell's former team. And that would be our University of Memphis Tigers. What a comeback. Oh! 50 to 49 win over Central Florida. They were down 35 to 14 at the beginning of the third quarter. And what the hell was that? Did you watch that whole ballgame? I watched a lot of this ballgame. And I'm going to tell you guess what, Gary? Memphis didn't go up tempo, and Memphis nope. scored. All the time. You were right. You don't have to go up tempo to put up a shitload of points. They did it. They're absolutely going to keep doing it. That was a fantastic game. That was the best game of the day. It it most certainly was. I, and uh, is that close, by the way? I had it's, that on. It's not close. I had that on my main TV. I had Ole Miss and Arkansas yep. on the other TV. I had. Yeah, I, I kept I, yeah that's the, the exact same way I had it. Um. So, Brady White. Memphis quarterback, 34 out of 50, 486 yards, six touchdowns. Dylan Gabriel, 35 out of 49 for 601 yards with five touchdowns. Uh, this was absurd. I mean, this UCF was- scored 49 points in this ball game and lost. And lost the and game. And that's insane. Oh, not, not just that. They had 798 yards of offense yeah. and the lost all, the game. Like they bro- both these teams, like, they broke the combined yardage record um, in, in college football. Like, they just cut the field up. Over, over 1,500 defense yards. was played. But here's the thing, man. This was just big play after big play after big play. I mean, this is two fighters. They weren't dancing around and, and made a fun fight or just whatever. They just were throwing haymakers right and left and it was incredible and it it wasn't so much necessarily 
the uh, the the <laughs> overall passing yards and and whatnot. A big part of this was running the football. Memphis had well, 45 yeah, both carries. Both of these teams were breaking off 20-yard runs on kind of a regular basis. Both both teams had over 90 plays on offense. Um, yes. I mean, it's <laughs> looking at the stats, it's just absurd. Uh, yeah. Memphis, 45 carries for 217 yards, only one touchdown on the ground. Rodriguez-Clark, 21 carries, 112 yards. Uh, Kylan Watkins for Memphis, 10 carries, 64 yards. I was not convinced in the talent that they had at running back after all the the opt-outs, all that kind of stuff. And then I, I really did not feel good about Memphis when DeMonte Coxey was not playing. And the coach came out and said after the ball game that he is no longer with the team, uh, he's not playing, he's, you know, all that. And he was the star wide receiver. He was the the senior that came back that didn't go to the NFL, all that. My, and Mike Norvell had this team so loaded with skill talent that I just, I've, I've told you this before the season started. I know a lot of guys opted out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as the trench guys don't opt out, this team is going to be fine because I don't know the names of these kids, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to know their name when the season's over with. All of these guys are fast. They all look alike. I mean, they they run the same style. They all like this is not a LeGarrette Blunt, you know, James White type situation or whatever, where you got a big Molly running back and a little fast run. But they 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 the wide receivers and the running backs could be all interchangeable if they change jerseys at halftime. You don't know who's who. They all run the same routes. They look the same, and they're all just stupid fast. Oh, yes. Oh, you're you're right about that. Uh, UCF also had a big day running the football. 47 yeah. carries, 197 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, only averaged 4.2 yards per carry. Memphis averaged 4.8. But, man, uh, the, the passing attack was just insane. At, yeah. at the end Different of the game. Level. Did you see – so UCF had to miss a field goal for Memphis to be able to win this. It was their first win yep. in the last 13 games against UCF. Uh, mm-hmm. you, did you see the kicker? Like, what in the world did – I guess it was the backup quarterback, they said. The backup quarterback went over and apparently started talking shit to the, to the kicker after he missed the kick. Like, I've never seen anything like this. They were ready to, like, actually throw blows on yeah, the sideline. It, it did not go good. Like, so I'm watching that game with the people that are over, and he was like, well, they're going to make this kick there because he sees the like, field goal line. And I was like, I've watched UCF. UCF probably – I said he's going to go for this because it was fourth and two, and they were right at the field goal line. And I was like, he's going to go for this. He's going to get these two yards before he kicks his kick. And he was like, no, they're out of they're out of timeouts. They're not going to go for it. Like, they're going to put the kick in. I was like, I, I think he's going to go for it. And – I think he should have went for it. This it, it's not hindsight. This kicker has not been good all year. I I know it's tough to rag on your teammate. I'm I'm not proposing that, but when the team has done everything that they do all game and consistently one guy doesn't show up and he's only got one job over and over and over again, I understand the frustration. Like I do. Well, he's he's only four out of six from field goals on the season, um, you know. And this, like, he's just not super proven. 
Um, but but they, but hang on, they you see them in in, in practice though. They, oh, yeah. Like the fact that this team scores what they score, their offense moves the way it moves, and the guys only got six kick, kick attempts, just yeah. tells you they just don't trust him at all. Yeah, it was a forty yard field but, goal. But, it was the but longest that's not one. On, like that's not on the coaches for not trusting him. He hasn't given them a reason to trust him. Oh yeah, it was it was the longest field goal that he has attempted so far this season, and he missed yep. it. So. He's also missed one uh, that was in between twenty and thirty yards. So. Yeah, I was about to say he's just not he's just not good. Yeah, and it it's not like the kick didn't have uh, didn't have length. It just it, no, it, it, it has a distance. He's just not accurate. He's just and that's fine. I'm not trying to kill the kid. Okay, no, absolutely, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not. But I understand being on a team where there are specialty guys, and those specialty guys aren't good at what they do. It's it's amazing to think about the fact that. UCF is sitting at two and two and one yep. and two in the conference. Well, that's, like, but that's, I, I hate saying this because it's so cliche, but that's what 2020 has been though, Gary. Oh, agreed. That's, agreed. that's what this, this season's, we're going to look back on. Now the only downside of this, and you're not going to find the downside of it, but as a, as a general college fan, the only downside of 2020 is going to be the, the top is going to be the exact same. It's going to be Clemson, Alabama, Ohio state when they start playing and some other poor bastards going to get in at four and get murdered. And, and, and one of those three teams is going to win it all. And and we're going to say, oh, we'll see. It's a normal season. It's anything but. It's just it's just three teams at the top that are chalk. And I don't know that Georgia is five minutes better than anybody else in the country. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's I, one thing I think I, there are 25 teams in the country that I hang with that Georgia team. That is, uh, that's one thing that I actually uh, tweeted out last night after all the ball games. Um, a bunch of these... It just crazy different things that you would uh, that you would think is just nuts. Florida State's so 2007 is known as the craziest season. Correct, right? Correct. Florida State's first win as an unranked team against an AP top five opponent since 2007. Right? They beat North Carolina, who was top five. Boston College was number two in the country in 07, and Florida State was unranked. So. That God, was the, how was BC number two in the country back then? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Hey, that's, that's when we knew. That's when we knew we were all drunk already on two thousand seven. Well, we we were one week away from a West Virginia Kansas national championship game that year. I, I know, like, I know. And, and not in who basketball. Won the, who won the title that year? <laughs> uh, that would be your LSU Tigers. Yes, sir. One Lester Miles, <laughs> which which I'm makes all the sense in the world. That's right. Oh no, <laughs> but Les's national championship. It came in two thousand seven, and and it, it's the most less miles thing in the world. Is oh, some crazy son of a bitch is going to win this? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. The other stat that I wanted to throw out there that kind of shows that this season is bananas. Uh, the SEC is currently dead last in defense, both in yep. yards per game and points per game. First place is the Big Twelve. <laughs> yeah, we're the yeah we're the we're the new Big Twelve, and they've taken our spot. Everything um, is flipped. I'm I'm telling you, Arkansas is the best defense in the SEC, Gary. I'm I I'm beginning to think that you're right. We're you know what we are two games away from that. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, let's go ahead and talk about Auburn and South Carolina, and man, the legend of Bo Nix is is just a fable at this point. Bo Nix was uh, putrid. In this ballgame, 24 out of 47, 272 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions that cost his team 21 points out of the 30 that South Carolina scored. 
Uh, South Carolina looked good in this game. They were not as good as as Bo Nix made them look. Uh, J.C. Horn got two picks off of Bo Nix, and it was his first two picks of his career. Now, he has been a fantastic defensive back, but but he got his first two picks against Auburn, and good gracious. Uh, Tank Bigsby for Auburn, 16 carries, 111 yards. He averaged almost seven yards a touch yesterday. Uh, Bo Nix ran the ball 15 times for 69 yards, and it was just, it's not that Bo Nix is terrible, it is that decision-making is just horrible. Like, it has not improved at all. You could just tell that there were certain points in the ballgame where he was throwing it up, and he said, ah, you know what, Seth Williams will go get it. Like, it, it just, it, it that was the game that I spent the most time on yesterday morning, just yeah, watching the complete ineptitude of that Auburn offense. Like, Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris are supposed to be offensive gurus. No, but hang on now. In what world is Chad Morris an offensive guru? Well, he was at Clemson. He was supposed to be. And he looked okay at SMU. He wasn't awful at SMU. Um, at Arkansas, he was he was terrible. But I, I think a lot of that had to do with the the transition of the style, or the style of uh, of offenses, right? I, I, I just don't I just don't understand that. He came from Clemson where you have he just elite immense talent. Uh, agreed, but he congratulations. Is the one. He was really good there. Okay, yeah, I but could they be did the, not OC at Alabama right now. I could be the OC at Clemson right now. But could you be the OC at Alabama when they were just the the ground and pound team and be the one to transition them into that high powered offense that they are today? No, but that's what Lane the, Kiffin was, and that's what Chad Morris ta- was. At Clemson. When you have the talent, you can, Gary. Yes, agree. You can transit. This is not Arkansas transitioning from. You know the spread to both. You know uh, Brett Bielema. All right, this is this is a team with you know seven NFL players at the time that were all on that roster. That yeah. that were you're asking them to transition. Yeah, those guys are elite athletes. They can kind of go from pass blocking to run blocking. They're better than the people across from them. It doesn't matter if they're pushing them or holding them up. It it just doesn't matter. It's easy to do. So so are we both agreeing at this point that Chad Morris is not an offensive guru? Yes, I okay. don't know why he was labeled that to begin with. At- bad hire by Arkansas. Real bad hire. Now, I guess that would make him a bad hire for Auburn as well. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> Auburn. I meant Auburn. Yeah, he was an obviously a bad hire for Arkansas. Yes. No, no, real bad hire for Auburn. Yes, I would not turn my offense. Oh, Gus Malzahn is an offensive guru, and he is trying to step back, and he's trying to hire people to do these jobs, and he just made a bad hire. I, he was I think sold a bill of goods. I think you're right. Um at the same time, you know, Gus Bo Nix wasn't this bad last year, okay? Bo oh. Nix wasn't great last year, but Bo Nix didn't turn the ball over like this, Gary. And you know he didn't. I watched a lot of those Auburn games. He no, wasn't no, he, great, he didn't. but he right. didn't turn the ball over. The turnovers are on Chad. The turnovers are how he's running this offense. It's Tom Brady going into a Bruce Arian offense where turnovers are accepted, and it's not okay. Well, but it's so far this season, like this was the only game where he really – uh, turn the football over. He he's only this had four. Is the only game where he's played a great defense where they just didn't smother him. Georgia, you, you didn't have to turn the ball over because Georgia yeah. just couldn't let you do anything. He yeah. get the ball off. He so they've played Arkansas, they've played Georgia, they've played Kentucky, they've played some some pretty decent defenses. Yes, um, they've played all the best he, defenses in the SEC. He. 
threw one pick against Georgia, and that's it until yesterday. Um, but it, but that still doesn't excuse the the terrible decision making, which is not not just the interceptions, but just overall, like on fourth and five yesterday with nine seconds left, you don't have any timeouts left. Uh, you you have to throw at the end zone. There. Well, yeah. <laughs> like you, you have. But you, somebody's got to. Somebody got to tell him at, I, at some point in time. At, at some point in time, this this kid is an is a nineteen year old kid. Yeah, no, he's he's a sophomore. I mean, he's he is uh, into his what they played thirteen games last year. They played four, so seventeenth game as a yeah. starter. Um, you know, like he he shows flashes of brilliance. Like, and and he is a mobile quarterback. He can't I, run. I put so much on the on, on on coaching. I swear to God, if this guy was being coached by a real like, if if this guy was being coached by a Lane Kiffin, you don't think Bo Nix would be a a million times better? Oh, you don't great. think yes. that if Kendall Bryles had his hands on him, if he transferred right now and they pushed Felipe Franks off a bridge, you don't think he would make Arkansas a million times better? Because no. I do. Yeah, yeah. I Felipe think so. Franks turns the ball over because his name is Felipe Franks and he can't help but cock it up. <laughs> yeah, you, you might be right about that. Bo Nix didn't do right. this last year as a freshman. Why is he doing it now? Because he's being coached to. You you have a a valid point. He had 16 touchdowns and only six interceptions all of last season. His completion percentage has gone down. Uh, his average yards per pass has gone down. Uh, his QBR is down from 125 to 112. He, Everything's going down, yeah. and the only difference, the only common denominator is Chad Morris sucks. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're Bad right. Bad hire by, but and it might cost, cost Gus his job. Auburn is sitting at two and two right now. They, yeah. I, I really feel like they should be zero and four. I mean, <laughs> that, that's fine, but this is going to be the SEC this year. Outside oh, yeah. of Alabama and Georgia, every team is going to end up with three, four. Every, everybody's just going to be 500. Yep, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Moving on, we'll stay in the SEC. Let's talk about Tennessee and Kentucky, and holy God, what in the world happened in Knoxville yesterday? Uh, Kentucky wins 34-7, to and it was not like an offensive showing by Kentucky. This was all on Jarrett Guarantano. Uh, 14 out of 21 passing for uh, JG, 88 yards through the air on 14 passes. 4. You want to see Bo Nix wearing UT? Woo! Zero He'd be a million times better in that offense than he would in this. A million times better. Yes. Tennessee it's, might be undefeated with Bo Nix as a quarterback. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, they threw three interceptions on the day, zero touchdowns. Uh, their one touchdown was a run by Ty Chandler. Eric Gray looked good. They wasted yes. a good Eric Gray day, 24 carries, 128 yards. Correct. They uh, did. Kentucky rushing the football, 45 carries, 187 yards, averaged 4.2 yards per carry. Terry Wilson and Joey Gatewood combined for 13 out of 16 passing for 107 yards with one touchdown. The The offensive numbers were nothing to write home about. Uh, Kentucky had 294 yards of total offense and scored 34 points. Now, they've done this two weeks in a row. They had 150 yards of total offense against Mississippi State and won by three touchdowns. They had 294 yards of total offense against Tennessee and won by four touchdowns. Like, Play smothering defense. Ugh. Get the ball on your own 50. You only have to go 50 yards instead of 75. It's a lot easier. You don't have a lot of yards. Hey, listen, uh, Georgia. Hey, uh, North Carolina. When you can run the ball four yards a touch, you can slow the game down, control it, and beat your opponent. You don't have to be better than them. You just run it. And you run the game clock. You control the line of scrimmage. You control everything about how the game's going. And every two and a half plays, you get a first down, and you just matriculate the ball down the field, and you win the football game. That's what Kentucky did. Mark Stoops is a good coach. <laughs> yes. Yes, he most certainly is. I agree with that 100%. I mean, this was it, this was mind-boggling to this, watch. This is one team is not better than the other, but they found something that they could do that the other team couldn't stop, and they just did that over and over and over again. And thanks to Guarantano, they didn't have to go 75 or 80 or 90 yards down the field. They only had to go 30, 25, yeah. 55. Well, like, I mean, two, they, 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 just, they just didn't have to go real far. I mean, it, I am really bad at golf, but when I play – there's like little par three courses. I'm pretty good at golf because <laughs> I just don't know how to drive. But if I hit nothing but irons and pitch and putt, I'm about as average as everybody I know. And I can hang with anybody on a par three. It's just easier to go shorter. And that's what, that's what Kentucky does. They just are never going to you. You don't want Kentucky in fantasy football because they're not going to get a lot of yards because they're just going to only go half the field. Oh, yeah. The the game was completely lost on Tennessee's third drive. Of, well, I guess we could say the fourth drive of the game for Tennessee. Yep. Uh, the That's third drive, um, they threw a pick six. Yep. They gave Kentucky a lead. And then on the next drive, they threw another pick six. God. And then on the next drive, they threw another interception that led to a Kentucky field goal. Uh, how bad are the backups to where they're just not even going to anybody else? 
Uh, well, so there. We had a backup conversation earlier yesterday on a closing lines conversation yeah. with SBR. I don't understand how these teams don't have anybody else to say, I, I know this guy's turned the ball over eight times. We, we just going to keep running. I mean, I don't know if we're going to get to Mississippi State or not. I don't know why we would. But, like, th- this guy's got 11 turnovers, uh, like, a game. Like, he's just dying out there. Nobody behind him can try? Like, we can't even see what anybody else work? Well, and, and what's nuts, like, Guarantano, he's only got three interceptions on the year. Like it, that's that's it. The two of them were in this game. One was against Georgia, and and that one was that one against Georgia was costly. But he, he but does fumble the, the football the a lot. And all that. Yeah, it's it's more than just interceptions. Yeah, he's just not good. Yeah, he, he's and if you watch football terrible. and see this guy's not good, I can't imagine the people behind him aren't any. Maybe they're not better, but I'd at least like to see. Are well, they, so are they maybe better. They, they played Harrison Bailey, who is a a freshman. They played J T. Shrout, who is. Not good. Not. Uh, and then I get, Brian Marr is is coming off of an injury. So they've got four guys back there. Uh, Marr last year uh, came in and, and kind of, you know, in the games that he played, they went four and one. Now, he yeah, didn't, they he weren't, didn't play they a weren't bunch bad of them. when he came in. Um, but he, you know, he looked okay. His stat line was not great. He was 35 out of 75 last season for uh, 46% completion. But he's not percentage. losing games for them, Gary. And he threw two touchdowns and five picks. Now, who he played against was Missouri, Kentucky, Mississippi State, and Alabama last year. Like, that's, you know, not not the, the most difficult stuff. And they, they could withstand some interceptions in those games. But, man, Gorantano, like, this is a team that needs I wonder how many of those interceptions were against Bama. Uh, only one. That's it? Yeah. That's pretty good then. Oh, yeah. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Hey, Tennessee was in that game with Alabama last year. I know that. I watched a lot of it. And now Gorantano played the majority of it. And, I know. And Gorantano got pulled when uh, <laughs> when he when he, he, when he, he threw he, that weird-ass interception no, that was on, like, the one or two-yard no, line. No, it wasn't an interception. He he called his own play. Like, he, yeah, that was yeah. it. That was and, it. It was and right he before ran the football, and, and Alabama knocked the ball out. It yeah. went to the end zone, and, and it just yeah. lucky bounced. So, but a 100-yard return on a fumble uh, is pretty nuts. So, yeah, that, that whole thing. Um, but Tennessee, it, it, they're just the perfect example of how a quarterback can lose a game. And, and when, they, when they got down 17 to nothing, uh, it kind of looked like the team just quit. Well, so that, I mean, that was my situation on pulling the guy. Like, once you're down 17 to nothing and you see how this game's going, this is one of those situations where you just sit the kid. And then yeah. you say, I don't know, I don't know if this other guy's better, but the team has quit on him. Yeah, that's a that's a hundred percent it. Maybe they'll get behind this other guy, but they've quit on him. And I think at that point, like you you have to go with somebody else. Like regardless to, of whether I, they're bad or not. Once again, like, the other guy might be worse, but you have to give the team you have to show the team we're trying. We're we're trying. I'm not going to just let this guy keep killing you. I know that you all, other ten men on offense, have worked really hard and are trying really hard. Well, I'm not going to keep just handcuffing you with this guy that's that's just burying you. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going to do something. And if all of the quarterbacks we put out here are bad, it, at least it's a team thing. And it wasn't a we let one guy kill us. Yeah. But no, they're right. a quarterback away from being a really good football team. And to see them get dismantled because the quarterback is that bad is so frustrating. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. So let's uh, let's move on to some more SEC talk. 
And this one is interesting. Ole Miss kind of showed that they left everything on the field in Oxford against Alabama. Uh, they forgot to pack it up and take it to Arkansas with them. They lost 33-21 to to the Razorbacks. And Matt Corral, I want you to listen to this stat line. 20 out of 38 for 200 yards, two touchdowns, and six interceptions. I watched every snap of this game, Gary. They didn't leave it all in Oxford. That's not one of those situations. Arkansas's defense smothered them. Oh, they, they knew exactly. Took this all yeah, away from them. They knew how to defend uh, that offense. Now, now some of this is on Lane and the play calling. They were able to throw the football early, and they got into the goal line at least five times from the four yard line or closer, and they ran the ball all four times. They didn't throw the ball once, and I just thought this is dumb. This is dumb. I'm in a group chat with a bunch of uh, uh, Ole Miss guys. And and I just I this is dumb. Why he insists on trying to be able to we can run the football when you can't run the football and you can throw it, throw the damn ball. Yeah, I, I did mean, it was not just, try to throw the football until the very end of the game when you're you got no chance at winning really. Uh, well, I guess they did have a chance. They were pretty close there at the end, a little back and forth ish, but um, you know. Matt Corral threw a lot of bad passes because Matt Corral was getting blowed up. That offensive line got blew up. Georgia's front seven dominated this football game. Yeah, they they most certainly did. Felipe Franks, 21 out of 34, 244 yards, averaged 7.2 yards per throw. One touchdown, one pick. Uh, rushing the ball, Arkansas wasn't great, but... They were serviceable for sure. 48 carries, yeah. 150 yards. That's 3.1 oh, per touch. Ole Miss defense looked really good. Looked yeah, really they, good. They looked this a lot is a better. This situation where Arkansas's, A, Arkansas's defense scored a couple of times. And so if you take those scores off, Ole Miss wins the game. But Ole Miss's defense had to defend, half, once again, it's a Kentucky situation. They had to defend half the field, and they did it really well. Yes. They did it really, really well. Yes, they did. Uh, rushing the football, Ole Miss 53 carries for 242 yards, uh, 4.6 per touch, and had one touchdown. But that, those, are, those are all skewed stats from a couple of busted runs. Oh, yeah. All of them. When, this, when they got within five yards, they couldn't run the football. When they had to go for it, on, when they were in third and short, or fourth and short, the entire game, no matter what part of the field they were on, they ran it every time, and they didn't get it any. Yeah. At all. It, it, at it, all. it was it was stifling by Barry Odom. Uh, so, he, I want, so, so I want to give Barry credit. I want to give Barry credit. I'm, I'm really good friends with the Arkansas guys, and all of them are texting me saying, how long is it before Barry gets another head coaching job? Because he is a good bona fide coach. He was just saddled with a shit job in Missouri. And I was like, I don't know. If I'm Arkansas, you hope that he stays three years because maybe you can do something special. But there's a really good chance that somebody's going to call this guy. I know that the only positive thing you got going for you if you're Arkansas is nobody's calling defensive coaches right now. Yeah. That's the only positive thing you got. Everybody wants the young wonder boy for offense. And and that's that's all I can that's all I can give you. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's I think he will be there for a little while. I, um, I, I but Arkansas A will And they're gonna pay. They're gonna they're be able gonna to pay, pay him. him. They're gonna pay. So I think he's only leaving. I said the positive is is he's only leaving for a power five job because I don't think a G five school will pay him what Arkansas will pay him. So that's the a positive thing. And the the other the other positive for you is he 
it, it, it just a, a lot of G5 schools or, or Power 5 schools aren't going after defensive guys. They're just not. They want the young offensive guru. They want their head coach to be their play call, and that's that's what they're looking for. So you've you've got some hope of him sticking around for a while. But I'm going to put so much of that defense looking good on Ole Miss just being stubborn. This was a situation where they wanted to run the – they wanted to prove we can run the football on anybody. And I just never understand that. If something's not – the opposite of Kirby Smart. If something's not working, let's get away from it. Let's do what yes. does work. It's not like they're inept of talent and they can't throw the football either. No. But the reason you were getting caught with all these picks is because it was obvious throwing downs. It was third or fourth or second and 12 or 15 because your quarterback got sacked on first down or it was a run play that was tackled for a four-yard loss. And, and you know they're throwing the ball, and so you can jump routes. But you, you took the element of surprise completely out by running the ball on first down, which is the weirdest thing because that's not Lane Kiffin. This yeah. offense became very predictable. You oh, give yeah. Barry Odom a predictable offense? Holy shit. He's going to kill it. That's, he, he, Ole Miss did not really do a whole lot that was different from the Alabama game, per se. No, um, they just couldn't it, run the ball on them, and they could run the ball on Bama. Right, right. It, partly because Bama did not know what to expect. Arkansas had the film. They knew what to look for, and they were able – I mean, they ran zone a whole lot in that secondary – and, and they were able to match up and play sound gap defense, and it absolutely stifled what Ole Miss was wanting to do, and then they were just stubborn. You're right. You are right about that. Let's uh, let's move into the rapid-fire section of the show, and we'll just kind of run through some of these, uh, I'll say big topics, I guess big topics, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the first one I've got lined up, Hugh Freeze is lining up P5 jobs, my brother. Uh, Liberty gets a win over Syracuse. Uh, thirty-eight to twenty-one. They start five and zero on the season. Now, I, I watched a little bit of this. I had so on my computer, I can pull up like six different games at, at at a time, and I had it pulled up. And every time I watched, I thought, "Man, uh, Syracuse is not terrible, but Liberty is kind of slicing them up." And it, it was it was kind of nuts. Liberty. Syracuse was not not that this would have mattered in the game, maybe not. Syracuse was missing their best defensive uh, back, and against Liberty, oh. if you're down a DB, you just gonna get killed. Well, here, here's the thing, and it wasn't so much passing, like it, it wasn't that at all. It was Liberty ran the football 48 times for 338 yards, seven yards a touch on this, and four touchdowns. Uh, Shedro Lewis had 10 carries for 170 yards. Peyton Pickett had 23 carries for 115 yards. And then Malik Willis, the quarterback, had 12 carries for 58 yards. And then on top of that, Malik Willis, uh, Willis threw the football 16. Uh, he was 16 out of 20 throwing the football, excuse me, for 182 yards and one touchdown. Uh, no turnovers. Um, or sorry, sorry, no interceptions. They did have uh, two fumbles that they lost. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, uh, Rex Culpepper turned the football over one time for uh, Syracuse. You know, this was um, this was kind of a mismatch in Liberty's favor, and it should never be that way for a P five team going against an independent like Liberty. Like Liberty does not yeah, have the resources. Yeah, but I don't. But I don't. I mean, this is not a knock on Syracuse. I, I think if Liberty plays half of the uh, 
The ACC? The, 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 G, the ACC, I think if they play half of the Big 12, there's a hell of a lot of SEC teams. They're just going to do this shit to people. Oh, I, I think so as well. And all of that credit has to go to Hugh Freeze. Well, well yes, 100% of it does. And, and, and the question is, is where does Hugh land? I am not sure right now because I don't know what jobs are going to be open because of the pandemic and all that. But so let me ask you this honest question. So I've, I've been telling my Auburn friends, you can't fire Gus because who the hell are you going to go get? Uh, you go get Hugh Freeze. Hugh, Hugh might be the guy you go get. If you really want to put it in the crawl of Alabama, Hugh's oh, yeah. the guy you go get. But so, so Gus Malzahn has, has had – he's got success against Alabama, right? That's right. But, but Hugh has better success with way less talent. I, I kind of think the same thing. I, I think you – know, I'm going to tell you this. If Hugh Freeze takes over and Hugh Freeze is the quarterback uh, – the coach for Bo Nix next year, you better shut your mouth about all that yang you've been talking about, Bo, because Hugh's going to teach that boy to put that ball straight up your ass. I I think I have to side with this you is, on that. This is yep. why I say this is coaching. This is not – I, I know I'm giving Bo way too much of a pass. This is coaching. If Hugh Freeze was Bo Nix's coach – Bo Nix does not look like this. Well, this this quarterback. We're all really afraid. This quarterback, Malik Willis. Um, is there any he, way that Hugh can take Malik with him wherever he goes? Is that a package deal? Like well, he, you're no, just no, going to no. transfer. Here's the deal. Transfer. He transferred from Auburn. Well, yeah, I know that, but that's be- <laughs> but that's because these Auburn coaches are just not good. I think Gus doesn't do a good job, and and I think people struggle with this. By the way, okay, I. I think in the world where you're really good at something, I think it's really hard to hire somebody to give up the thing you're good at because you don't want somebody exactly like you because you want somebody who will challenge your ideas and maybe both of you together will think of things that are better. But if this person is different than you, in the corporate world, that might work because diversity is king of strength. I don't know that that works in football because while I like ideas being challenged and I like offensive minds coming together to, to cohesively put something together, you're hiring somebody who is knowingly worse than you at what you do. And you're trying to get them to your level and trust them with your team. It's just a really hard thing. And I don't know that I would, I either want a CEO as a head coach, that's not an expert at anything, or I want a genius at something, and I want that genius to do that something. Yeah, I, I yes. If Barry Odom is my next head football coach, I am paying our DC three hundred thousand dollars a year. I just need it to be a grad assistant every year because I want Barry to run the DC. That 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 like that's that's the whole reason I hired you is because I want you to fix this defense. If I hire Lane. I appreciate that Lane's got a young up-and-coming OC on his staff, and he's letting him do a lot of things. Mm, I hired you to run your offense. I, I don't I don't care how good this other guy is. I want you to do it. That's why you hired Ryan Day. That's why hiring Gus means I want you to run your offense. Yes. yes. You hire Hugh, and Hugh goes out and spends $2 million on OC. Now I'm pissed. Like, what are we now, spending now money on? Now we got a on? problem. Yeah, what are we spending money on? That's what Auburn did with uh, with Chad Morris. That, you know? I, I know, and it was a mistake, and it's going to cost it, it's going to cost Gus his job. I I think you might you might be right about that. Let's uh, let's move on and let's talk about we we spent that was, six that was minutes not on that. rapid fire. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's okay. It was a lot to talk about. Uh, Notre Dame cannot get out of their own way. They still find a way to shut down Louisville twelve to seven. Uh, 
Ian Book, 11 out of 19 for 106 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, he was 12, or he had 12 carries for 47 yards and one touchdown. He had the he had the it, only touchdown the only, they scored in rushing. Yeah, it's what insane. What the hell was that? Uh, this was, I I don't even, I can't. One half of the team did exactly what I thought was going to happen. I thought there was a chance Louisville was going to have a very hard time scoring. I cannot yeah. believe they held Louisville to seven points. That's amazing to me. The fact that they scored 12 infuriates me. It's it's pretty nuts to think about. Uh, Louisville was 16 out of 19. Pa- well, Malik Cunningham was anyway. 16 out of 19 passing for 132 yards and one touchdown. That's a fairly decent stat line. Uh, Javion Hawkins, 15 carries at 51 yards. And of that 51 yards, 28 of it came on one carry. So, I mean, he, Notre Dame completely yes. shut them down running the football. Uh, this was... This was domination in, in the way that we thought it would be because we thought Notre Dame was going to be able to shut down this offense. But, man, uh, totally hard. When, when I thought shut down this offense, I thought hold them to 20 or under. I did not see this defense holding them to seven. Yes. This just I, – I so I, I watched the game a little bit, but, man. I was, kept flipping back and forth to it, but it was just making my eyes bleed, and I was just going back to other games. It, it was insane. Memphis was too good. It was on at 90% of this time. Ole Miss was on at 90% of this time. And then the late games kicked while this one was finishing, and I just couldn't. I couldn't stay with it. I just couldn't. It was just so bad. Um, Notre Dame did, you know, they, they had the ball at the end of the game. They ran out the clock the last eight minutes of game time. They ran <laughs> yes. it out. Yes, uh, they ran They ran an eight-minute offense to kill it and end this game. Yeah, and it, hey, if 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 I were them, I would have done the same thing and just oh, no, get out no. of there. That, that's the best play calling they had all day long right there. No doubt. So when, when Louisville punted the football back to them with, uh, let's see, seven minutes and 55 seconds left. I was just about to say it was just under eight. Yeah. At that point, it was uh, it was done. It was we're, like, we're, we are going to kneel this thing when we're done. Yes. Nobody getting in the end zone. We're just kneeling this thing when we're done. Yeah, I we're, can't believe it. It was the dumbest game. That's the dumbest game of the day. It it started out okay. Uh, Notre Dame's first drive, uh, they went 12 plays, 61 yards, and kicked a field goal. Took 534 off the clock. Uh, then they hold Louisville to a punt, a four and out, I guess we could call it. it. Notre Dame took the next drive, 15 plays, 76 yards, took seven minutes and nine seconds off the clock, and then kicked another field goal. Like, kicked a field goal that was 30 yards, um, took a sack on third down that, you know, dropped them back at the 12. They were second and goal from the uh, from the seven. Sorry, third and goal from the seven before that sack. I was about to say, I thought that was um, they And then after that, it's, uh, it's three and out, and then they went 14 plays in 90 yards, seven minutes and 17 seconds, and turned the ball over on downs. So they I, <laughs> I just... I just don't understand what they were doing. Uh, and so they start the second half with an eight-play, 66-yard touchdown drive right after Louisville scored to uh, to go up 7-6. to six. And I I just, you know, Louisville only had seven possessions. Notre Dame, let's see, had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So both, both teams, only both teams. seven possessions. I, that's so weird, right? And And it's not like Notre Dame was not able to move the football. They absolutely were. They just couldn't get it in the end zone. They had 232 yards rushing, 106 yards passing. Um, and then they held Louisville to only 233 yards of total offense. And the time of possession, obviously, 
completely completely one-sided. 36 minutes and 15 seconds for Notre Dame, 23-45 for Louisville. And, man, I don't know what to make of this. I Like, in Notre Dame, you have to be able to score if you're going to be able to keep up with Clemson. Oh, that, that, they're, they're not keeping up with Clemson anymore. I, I don't think so. They play at Pitt next week, and, I mean, Pitt can get them. Like, yeah. Pitt can absolutely get them. Uh, they play at Georgia Tech after that. Then they play Clemson. Then they've got at Boston College, at North Carolina, Syracuse, and at Wake. Uh, I mean, there's like three or four possible losses on there yes. if, if they don't up the game. Uh, no, I mean, I still think they're better than that North Carolina team. I watched that team play. Like, yeah. I think they're better than – I mean, outside of Clemson, I don't really know that I think any of these teams are going to beat them. They're They're going to look bad in wins. That's the that's the one thing that we we're dealing with with them is we know that you can't trust them. I think they're still going to win games because Brian Kelly is still the second best coach in that division, I believe, that conference. And and I I I just think they're that much better than these other teams. They're just going to look like shit doing it. Yeah, I, it's it's insane. It, it it was it was a mind boggling day, and you try not to overreact too much to it. But good gracious, uh, that was. That was just nuts. That it was, was awful to watch. I'll tell you this. Awful to watch. I like watching Notre Dame games because I love hearing Mike Tirico call games. I just do. He's one of my favorites. And it I couldn't do it. I well, mean, it's just couldn't it just do it. Put you straight to sleep. Like, oh, it was, <laughs> it was unwatchable. Uh next game on the docket here. We've only got uh, three more. Texas AM gets a twenty eight to fourteen win over Mississippi State. Now everybody kind of thought uh, this might be the spot where State kind of comes back and they they get things right and all that. Uh Kylan Hill did not play in the game. It was announced that he was basically benched. Um yeah. I, I don't know exactly what's going on there. Nobody has released any any kind of information. Uh I, I'll tell you this, Kellen Mond, if you were gonna get him. Uh, yesterday was a day to get him. And he did not look great early. No, he was 13 out of 23 for 139, uh, 139 yards passing. Uh, two touchdowns, one interception. His QBR was 42. That's not good. Will Rogers had a better day than Kellen Mond did. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, 18 carries, 114 yards, rushing with two touchdowns. Anaya Smith, 10 carries, 52 yards. Uh, they were able to run the ball 34 times for 186 yards. They averaged over five yards per carry. And, man, uh, Mississippi State, K.J. Costello, 15 out of 22 passing, 99 yards, four and a half yards per throw through another interception. And then they put in Will Rogers, 15 out of 18, 120 yards, one touchdown. It was the first offensive touchdown in the last three weeks for Mississippi State. Uh, This was just... Yeah, I think K.J.'s done. I think he's too. I think 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 they're moving to the future. Like, all right, this season is a wash. Um, Yeah. We are going to the guy that's going to be starting next year. And that sucks for KJ Costello, but bye. Well, I mean, hell, it's on him. Yes. I mean, yeah, it sucks for him, but you brought this shit on yourself. I mean, you know, it's not like they put him in a bad situation. No, six touchdowns, 10 interceptions so far this season. That is just remarkable. It's just awful. It's just awful. And this is not an offensive scheme that lends itself to people turning the football over and, like, lots of interceptions. It's just not. And, and they only had one interception yesterday. They they, just, they, they lost – well, K.J. also lost a fumble yesterday. So well, that, yeah, I was that about to say, help. no, he had, he had multiple turnovers. Yeah, and, and when you do that, you know, you're, 
you're going to get beat. And yes, I mean, good gracious, like it, it, the line that scared me off of this game, I felt like Texas A&M was the better team. But I did too. And this this no is sense. one of those things where it just looked stupid. Like, why would the line be so short? Who on the world thinks? And so it's one of those deals where, well, Vegas isn't built for, you know, on people getting sure things right. So if something looks like a sure thing, you kind of just go the other way. But no, I mean, that was a sure thing. No, it, it certainly was. Mississippi State's up, bad. Mississippi State's real bad. They most certainly are. And the schedule, I don't believe, eases up. We've already been through the Texas A&M schedule. Uh, Mississippi State has a week off, then they play at Alabama. They get Vanderbilt, but then they've got Auburn, Georgia, Ole Miss, and then they get to close with Missouri. So uh, not not a lot of wins left on that schedule there. Uh, just, just ridiculous. Let's talk about a beatdown right quick. Clemson cannot stop scoring. They destroyed Georgia Tech. And I'm talking like completely destroyed. 73 to 7 was the final here. And the funny thing about this is I, I had this, uh, this was one of them that I was kind of flipping around to. Why? And, well, just to see what in the world was, was going on. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 24 out of 32, 404 yards, five touchdowns, one pick. Uh, it was his first interception since October of last year. Uh, Hunter Helms came in, five out of seven passing, 74 yards, two touchdowns. It, like it didn't matter who they put in. They, they ended up putting in their punter at quarterback for for a possession, and he went two out of three passing for thirteen yards. Like this was, it, this was not Georgia Tech turning the football over a, a bunch. Um, you know they had they they lost two fumbles, they uh, threw one interception, but that that was not the story of the game. The story of the game was Georgia Tech could do nothing against this team. Uh, it, it was it, Clemson had five hundred yards passing. Like, I, at some point, I kind of feel like I would have stopped throwing the football. Um, <laughs> this is, this is, this is, uh, Dabo just trying to, trying to get his boy a Heisman. I mean, maybe I, I just, it, it was really weird. It was really weird to see because they threw the ball 49 times. They only ran it 39 times. They ran Travis Etienne 11 times for 44 yards. That's only four yards of carry. He only had one touchdown. Um, Lynn J. Dixon had five carries for 32 yards. Michael Dukes, three for 31. I mean, it was just, they had a bunch of guys that ran the football, but they, at, at some point, you could have called off the horses. Like, you, you could have called yeah. off the dogs and, and just said, all right, we're done with this. I think this might have been partly a recruiting thing. Like, I don't know if something happened on the recruiting trail between Jeff Collins and, and Dabo, but this is not a typical Dabo thing, right? Yeah, it's usually not. I don't, you know, nothing Nothing surprises me anymore about Dabo, though. Like, and so far this year, like, once he gets yeah. a pretty sizable lead, he just, he, he sits on it. He sits on yeah, it. He hasn't, he hasn't done this all year. But once again, I'm done trying to predict Dabo. No, you, I mean, you got that right. I mean, they were he, up. He does uh, things to make himself look to be a victim of things that he's not a victim all the time. I mean, he's just, it, it just, I'm, they, He's they a really were a good coach. His teams are loaded, and that's yes. They were up fifty-two to seven at the half, and went on to put on another three touchdowns in the uh, in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, it was just it was mind-boggling. Um, yep. We'll move on to the last game, and that is Virginia Tech forty, Boston College fourteen, and this was this was still a game at one point. I was just about to say this game was every time I flip back and forth. This game was close. And then I flip back, and it wasn't. Well, with seven minutes and eleven seconds left. Well, honestly, it, it, so at at seven minutes left in the third quarter, 
Uh, Hunter Long caught a 20-yard touchdown pass to make it 17-14 to Virginia Tech, right? And so it was, it was a yeah. tight game. And then three minutes left in the third quarter, uh, Virginia Tech scores a touchdown. Uh, one minute and 19 seconds later, they kick a field goal. Uh, to, to begin the fourth quarter, they have a 28-yard touchdown run. Like, it was a six-play, 65-yard drive. And then Hendon Hooker throws a touchdown pass with two minutes and 20 seconds left to give us the final score of 40-14. to 14. As far as the stats go on this, um, I mean, this was just ridiculous. Like, Virginia Tech had 350 yards running the football. They averaged eight and a half yards per touch. Like, that is just insane against Boston College, who so far this year had shown to be a pretty good defense. Yeah. Like, a pretty good defense. And, and by God, I mean, they just... Virginia Tech, I, I feel like the North Carolina result from last week had a lot more to do with the guys that were out for Virginia Tech than, than North Carolina. Like I, I completely agree with that. I think if North Carolina and Virginia Tech play again, I, I would I would still take Vatek. I took Vatek last week. It was wrong. I'd take Vatek again. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, our extra point for the week is Dan Mullen tested positive for COVID-19 yesterday. Now, the Gators don't play again until Halloween, so he's got two weeks to get over it, uh, but this one appears like it is an actual an actual thing as opposed to the Nick Saban deal. Um, is there... Like, a lot of people find hilarity in this, but yes. I don't know that I necessarily do. Like, I, I think we talked about this on the show. Like, Dan Mullen is a ball coach. That's that's what he's good at. That's what he does. Um, do you think that there is just like how did they lose control of this at Florida? I, I don't I don't know the answer. Now, it, it, people wanting to get political is going to make this about the state of Florida. Um, I, I don't think I, that was it. Yeah. I don't either. I I think I think this was a situation where Dan let uh, control of his players go. I think Dan thought. The state's opening up. I'm I'm done trying to control these kids and holding them back. I don't think this is really a problem. We're gonna let them do whatever the hell they want, and then it bit them in the ass. Yeah, it, they had to rearrange the entire uh, southeastern conference schedule yes. because of this. And and it yes. wasn't just them. There was also Vanderbilt that had issues. Uh, Ole Miss was dealing with some stuff heading to Arkansas. Now they didn't lose anybody. Uh, didn't lose anybody major too major. I mean, um, Arkansas had some dudes out that actually mattered. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I'm I'm curious about this Florida deal to see. I mean, just what in the world is going to happen because, you know, they they got Georgia coming up pretty soon. Yeah, and, they got the cocktail party, and that thing is it's still. I mean, look, the SEC East is still up in the air. Like we can talk about how much better Georgia is and all that, but man, uh, we're we're getting close. We are getting yep. close, and you know that that game is going to be on November seventh. Uh, Florida has to play. Um, good gracious. Let's see. Florida has to play Missouri on Halloween, and their LSU game got moved to December the 12th. So, Florida, to end the season, has to play Kentucky at Tennessee and LSU to end the season. Uh, I think if you wanted to catch LSU, you had better catch them early. And, and now they the got to catch thing. them later. So, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. That, that Georgia game looks mighty mighty big right now because if you get a win over Georgia, uh, you would have to lose two more times. So 
we'll see what happens. We will see what happens with that. But, uh, you know, best wishes to Dan Mullen and the rest of the Gators. Uh, hopefully everybody comes back just fine. But, uh, but, I mean, you never know with this thing. You never know. All right, is there anything else that we need to hit on? That's it. That is it. All right, you guys have been fantastic. Do us a favor. Go over to the Sportsbook Review YouTube page and make sure you are subscribed over there. We will have our opening line show on Monday on that. And then, of course, our pick show is Tuesday night at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. Our closing line show is Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time, God's Time Zone, of course. And make sure you go over to the website, winningcureseverything.com and sbrpicks.com slash ncaaf. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. If you would so kindly, leave a nice five-star written review. And uh, make sure you jump on our YouTube, all that good stuff, you know, all the all the other places. Uh, with that said, Chris, I appreciate your time this morning. And I appreciate everybody that has been listening to us for this entire crazy, wacky season. And for the last four years. You guys have been incredible. You've helped us grow immensely, and we appreciate you. With that said, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. We'll see you next time. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.